Blog Talk Radio. Guys, how you doing? Hi, Larry. Hi, Larry. How are you? I didn't know well, I'm doing to... very well. I apologize for not answering. Um, and it's uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy, and he's a veteran too. Yeah, and real pro union and uh, pro yeah. uh, pro everything that that we we kind of stand for. Plus, the fascinating thing about the guy was he was that he was the secretary of the navy for Reagan, for Ronald Reagan. Right. Yeah, he's had an interesting a- career. Yeah, yeah, and he's written uh, uh, a, dozen books. a dozen books or so. Uh, yeah, he's a very bright guy, well-educated, articulate, um, and seems to have uh, some ideas that I agree with anyway, and the fact that he's pro-union was um, a very positive thing. Has he been discussed uh, by AFSCME at all? No, no. So, I mean, not to my knowledge. I think that he hasn't been discussed by a whole lot of people. I think he's um as the employee the cliche he seems to be flying under the radar screen. You know, he was yeah. a um US senator who actually was one of the early voices in opposition to Bush's uh misguided uh, adventure in the Middle East, which we're still paying for. And um I think it'd be refreshing to have him uh, stay in the race and to, to be, I mean, you know, obviously Elizabeth Warren, who actually hasn't declared for anything, is uh, well, I, I, gets I, mentioned a lot. But I Jim think, Webb doesn't really get mentioned. No, but I think I think the media, number one, is afraid of the guy, all right? And uh, yeah. because, you know, he's, he, he's a strong candidate that would pull support from both sides, you know? And, uh, well, yeah, and I, if, if I'm the, you know, the Democrats, they ought to be... Um, 
you know, it ought to be uh, I think they something should be that welcome. should be welcomed. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. You know, I don't I don't understand why there's a rush to say Hillary's the anointed candidate. I really don't. I you know, which makes me wonder if all of a sudden somebody's gonna burst forth <laughs> that we don't know, all of a sudden they're gonna appear and they're gonna be the sort of sort of like Barack Obama did. Well, kind of like you know yep. the thing that surprises me, see I what bothers me about Bernie Sanders, all right, is that Bernie Sanders. Although I like a lot of what he has to say. I like what he has to say, yeah, but what bothers me about him is that he reminds me of, of Howard Dean, okay? Yeah. Howard, Howard, he was from Vermont. Yeah, well, for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, he, uh, Dean was the governor of Vermont, very, very liberal, a socialist, rather. Uh, he, 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 he was the first to uh, establish civil unions mm-hmm. in the state. Uh, you know, he was he was pro, he was he was totally anti-war. Okay, and he, uh, I mean, we were one of the first radio shows that when we this was when we were on the FM station. Well, we were, I was one of the mm-hmm. first to to, to uh, in the country to uh, support him, endorse him, and uh, and he uh, he became a, a real kind of a strange guy because. Uh, he turned out to be not at all what we expected him to be. I mean, he turned out to be a, a traitor right. uh, to the cause, yep. you know, a traitor to the cause. And uh, he kind of exactly. came out as a big maverick, an independent kind of guy. And then before you know it, uh, you know, he, he's out after the Iowa primary, and uh, it, and then they give him a job as the uh, as the chairman of the Democratic uh, committee. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I no, I know it. it yeah, and you know, Sanders is an interesting guy. Uh, obviously, I, I think he, you know, he's not going to um, get very far. I actually think, you know, a more establishment kind of guy like Webb, who you know um, has some maverick views, but is, you know, he's more comforting to people. I think because he was a veteran, he served in the U.S. Senate. I mean, a guy like that could actually get some. And I like Bernie Sanders, but we all have to be honest with each other that, um, you know, I, I I don't even know that he's forcing a, a debate to the progressive side of issues anyway. I think he's just out there. Well, you know, one of the this thing just came up today, and I had to laugh because uh, an Associated Press poll uh, states that the majority of Americans view Hillary as a lying bitch. That's what it says. <laughs> Paul, oh, <God. laughs> Americans appear to be suspicious of Hillary Clinton's honesty. Right. Even after Democrats are only lukewarm about her presidential candidacy, according to the new Associated Press uh, GFK poll. Well, she's been involved in so many scandals, and, and her husband, huh. too. And they've had um, such questionable fundraising practices. Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe. You know, it's not the letter. You know, they don't observe the letter of the law. Wink, wink. Yeah. And uh, well, they, I, yeah. No, it's, look, she's just not. She, she's not grabbing a lot of people's hearts and minds the way um, Barack did, and you know, and whatever you want to say about the flaws and um, missteps. Um, Obama has been, in my mind, a, you know, a good president, and I think there's quite a fall off when you look at him. And his uh, agenda versus, uh, you know, the Clinton um, Wall Street agenda. But, you know, um, at the same time, you know, Obama's had some of the same problems with regard to Wall Street reforms and um, trade that, you know, that earmarked the uh, or characterized the Clinton regime. So, you know, I, I think. I think the problem is, you know, this is revealing the fault lines are getting revealed, which is there's not a whole lot of difference. Um, between uh, the Republicans and Wall Street and the Democrats, and um, and that's going to be the challenge of the election is get, you know getting people motivated and finding candidates who are actually willing to step apart um, from that pattern. And I don't know who's out there that can do that. Maybe uh, it, maybe it's this guy Webb. You know, he's going to take some work. Strong, strong, uh, 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 very strong. You know, the only two drawbacks that he has is that. Uh, He's married, you know. He's married to a Vietnamese uh, woman, right? Right, which and I like. Which I like, yeah. Yeah, racially could be a, a problem for him. But the other right, thing but of course, 
touching. Not yeah. for me, yep. but. No, no, but you know. No, no, I understand, but I, I like it because it forces that discussion. You know, we got to have start having these honest conversations about race and class in this country. So I actually welcome that. Yeah, I agree with you, but um, but aside from that, uh, that and the fact that he is so over, he, he, he's so qualified that that mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. qualified. My God, that his he, age is against him. Well, he's seventy. Or somebody, something like that. Those are two things that I, the age I think is uh, of paramount importance, and I, I believe that Hillary's too old. So. Well, not really, but I mean. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing. He's 69. I mean, they're all, you know. Um, you know, one guy to keep an eye on, I don't know that he has a whole lot of traction, but, um, you know, the former governor of Maryland, uh, Martin O'Malley, is. Um, uh, popular in labor circles down in that section, and uh, you know he got some good things done as governor of Maryland. Do you know anything about him? I don't really know very much, uh, Larry. He's uh, very. Uh, he is you know, pro-union, pro-living in minimum wage. Uh, you know, he is a. I guess what you would call a pragmatic progressive. Um, but uh, certainly, he he showed uh, there was a respectful relationship with uh, uh, between him and the labor movement in, in Maryland. Um, so uh, I heard an interview with him on public radio the other day, and all things considered, or the morning edition, I should say, you know, it was an early morning interview, and um, you know, he's trying to differentiate himself from from Hillary. But again, you know, you're going up against just that tidal wave of uh, corporate and other money. Yeah. Yeah. I, did you uh, did you ever did you get a chance to see the uh, uh, the uh, National Press Club uh, uh, the correspondence uh, dinner with Obama's speech that he gave? Did you no, ever? I didn't. Oh, yeah, I'll send it over to you. Uh, uh, it's really, you should. I'd like to see that actually. Really funny, but with the thing that he, one thing that he mentioned. That oh, that was a good speech. One thing that he really that he that he mentioned that was really funny. He says, "Oh yeah," he says. Uh, um, let me say, he says, they, uh, he says, uh, this is the first time I ever heard of a of a fundraiser, a Democratic fundraiser for, uh, uh, oh, was it O'Malley? Was O'Malley, 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 Martin O'Malley. O'Malley. He says Martin O'Malley had a fundraiser. He says uh, that uh, uh, I guess a lot of people came to and wondered who they who the fundraiser was for. <laughs> they didn't know his name. <laughs> but, That's but rough. Well, he, that was the funniest I ever seen him in a lot of stuff. Well, he's more relaxed. But, yeah, he, but 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 he called he 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 called him. He said he had a he uh, he had a uh, uh, somebody asked him if he had a bucket list, and he says yeah. He says uh, he says uh, I got the he says yeah. He says uh, immigration reform is on my bucket list. <laughs> he says uh, he says. Uh, <laughs> He out. feels very strongly about that. Really no, 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 no. Everything, you know, the bucket was, yes, was, yes, was yes. with an F, right? Yeah. Okay. So that, but, but he kept going with it with a bunch of these uh, bucket lists. But the, uh, but what I, the one thing with him that I want that I don't know how you feel about it, but I do. Uh, when I look at the raging, raging, raging conservative commentary and attacks against him. And her and and, oh, and Michelle. Really There's so much. <laughs> it's so wicked, and uh, you know it is so downright. I mean, my attacks on him have been on his on his policies, not not on him, but you know, my God Almighty, they've come. They're coming out on her as a you know, and, and him like they're. There's just no 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 limit to the stuff that they're saying on Fox News. It is brutal. It is. It is, and. Uh, you know, it's it's a problem, and I think it's I think there I think there's like subtle racism there, and I think there's just a whole lot. It's just a whole lot of corporate funded uh, vitriol. Yeah, it's not subtle anymore. Well, like Michelle right Obama talked at Tuskegee University um, about her experiences um, and uh, her husband's experiences when they were running for president and going to different events. That was a good speech, too, yeah. And how very often people would think they were the help and not the... Mm, and not, mm, you know, Can you imagine? And, and, and to some degree, that still happens, I guess. 
And, yeah. you know, it must have been very difficult for them. Um, well, it still is. And it still is. Yeah. And uh, somehow I didn't think that they experienced that. I don't know why I thought they would be exempt from it, but it never occurred to me that they would have been treated like that. It was that. a lot of it. It was a very good talk that she gave. She was very honest. But do you think, I mean, what do you think of the next, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, too, before, I know you, we don't have much time tonight, but I wanted to ask you about the uh, Trans-Pacific uh, uh, Policy uh, uh, Partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I know, I know Trump came out against it, uh, you know, recently, and, and I was grateful to see the unions against it. But, uh, it didn't get a lot of support. But the Democrats just canned it, yeah. okay, today or yesterday. But what, how do you feel about this? I mean, what, what Obama is desperate to put it through, but uh, I just can't he is. see it. He is. Know. It's a big problem. Um, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a huge problem, and, it, you know, it's a huge problem because, you know, uh, Democratic leadership is uh, and the president are um, pushing it with the Republicans. So I know that, you know, um, essentially I'm calling it a, you know, a stall tactic that uh, worked yesterday, but eventually, you know, I, it, you know, I don't think the votes are there to ultimately derail this thing. And um, labor, organized labor has been against this pretty much from the start. Trump has raised the volume a little bit, so you're absolutely correct. Um, but, you know, we're kind of... Uh, Pissing in the wind, if you'll excuse my language, on uh, on the warnings that were uh, sounding about this, it it's just doesn't seem to be resonating. No, really, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's I, so bad for the majority of the American public. I think. Yeah, it, it really is, and um, I, you know, I'm I'm just stunned. I really am. Um, I'm trying but, to figure out what, you know, what really sense it makes. Early on, the commentary on that was this: is, I, I, I posted a video up on my own site, but because that was they, they this they said that the, what Obama was doing and what the problem with TPP was, is that uh, he was being forced. This was the biggest corporate uh, back uh, 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 trade agreement that they're that they've ever done. All right. And they said this is payback. This this was all payback for uh, for uh, making Obama, you know, for the for the big money behind Obama, and because Obama's basically been a corporatist, he's been a corporate uh, president all along. And uh, I mean, <laughs> Goldman Sachs was the, was the, was his biggest contributor, you know. And uh, oddly enough, Goldman Sachs is Hillary's biggest contributor as well so far. So you know, all of these. You're not seeing any change here in the Democratic Party, but Obama owes so much to these guys for putting him in office that uh, this supposedly is his payback to them, and he's been, you know, this has been on the table for quite a long time. Um, well, I hope finally, he, I hope it, it doesn't make it through. If it does, we're in a lot of trouble. Oh, I think, I think so. Well, Clinton did the same thing. Yeah, he did. He did exactly he the same thing, and it started with him, and it's been downhill ever and since. And fast track. This is wrong. Uh, the fast track is a wrong idea, don't you think, Larry? Whoop! I think we lost him, uh, Larry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, folks. It was he on his uh, cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you just go yeah. out and. Uh, I don't put. Yeah. He only has a few more minutes, yeah, I know. I know. So, so he might... Uh, you reach the voicemail of Larry Dorman, Council for Public Affairs. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, give us a call, Larry, if you can, 646-915-9505, and we'll finish up here. Well, we also realized it's almost 20 after 8, yeah, and you had, you had planned for 8.15. Well, call so. us and say goodnight anyway. <laughs> if you can. If not, we understand. Okay. All right. 646-915-9505. All right. I was reading, uh, before we had Larry come on, um, AFL-CIO Richard Trumka appeared on CNBC yesterday to discuss the 2015 edition of Executive Pay Watch 
income inequality in companies like Walmart that are leaders in overpaying their CEOs and underpaying workers. Let's just see what Mr. Trumka has to say on this.
and whether or not I, you know, I I, I question some of this because in the it's really US, remarkable. I mean, to to believe that forty nine point seven million are now poor, and eighty percent of the total population is near poverty. If you live in the United States, there's a good chance that you are now living in poverty or near poverty. Nearly 50 million Americans are living below the poverty line, with 80% of the entire U.S. population living near poverty or below it. The near poverty statistic is perhaps more startling than the 50 million Americans below the poverty line because it translates to a full 80% of the population struggling with joblessness, near poverty, or reliance on government assistance to help make ends meet. In Hey, sorry Hi, about that. You're, My apologies. Uh, I'd uh, hit a bad area, and I was trying to get back on the air, so I'd, my apologies. Oh, that's, oh, okay. that's no, quite uh, all right. Sorry. Hey, um, I wanted to, we were talking about Fast Track, and I was hoping um, to give you guys a number. Uh, yeah. There's a, you know, for our, we're part of a group. If you go to no, one word, no, N-O, fasttrack.com, it's a website with uh, several of the unions and environmental groups and other groups. Um, but at any rate, there's a toll-free number. It's 855-712-8441. And again, it's 855-712-8441. That, you'll get the switchboard at uh, U.S. Congress. Tell them where you live. They'll patch you through to um, either your uh, senator or your, in this case, your uh, uh, your representative and your senator, and I think I think it's important. Uh, we're rolling a rock up a very big hill, but uh, you know it's, it's about bad, it's about killing jobs, it's about depressing wages, it's about toxic food entering this country, um, and you know, ironically, uh, CEO I overheard when I came in. You guys are talking about uh, how the CEOs are making money and the corporations are getting subsidies. So this is no surprise and no accident. No. No, and, you know, we're we're coming into a world that is going to be very different than the world we've known. I mean, it's, we're coming into a world where the wealthy are going to be able to afford fine foods, clean water, clean, clean air, and the rest of us are not going to be able to afford that. Well, here, we were just, yeah, no, we were just reading this, this article, uh, that said, uh, U.S. Uh, it, uh, it's from Blindspot, uh, politicalblindspot.com, but it says in the U.S., 49.7 million people are now poor, and 80 percent of the total population is near poverty. Now I don't know whether right. this is true or not, but <laughs> this right, is what this article is saying. Yeah. And I certainly would like to follow up a little part, more on part, it. Part part of what they say they say is that and. and uh, the art, uh, I've I've read the article through and it, uh, I, I agree with much of it, but it's saying that uh, the, the the large majority, okay, of the American people that are at poverty or near poverty are white because they're that's the majority of the population is white. Right. right. And uh, Latino and Asian Americans saw an increase in poverty rising at 27.8 percent. Which was a 16% rise, uh, you know, uh, over uh, the previous years. But and, the government, uh, the government really needs to do more to help people who are working and poor. And uh, need to and poor people terrible. want jobs and they want good paying jobs. Well, know, no one. You know, yeah, but yeah, we're we're poised to put through. Uh, we're poised to uh, have our Congress agree to a trade deal that's going to kill jobs and depress wages. You know, I mean, how ironic is that? In a in a, in a painful way. Right, and this stuff is what aggravates that wage and wealth gap, that inequality gap that you guys are talking about. Because you know, these corporations are getting huge tax breaks to do to go offshore. The CEOs are making three, four hundred times the average worker on the shop floor, and um, all of this is just uh, like you said, Lyle. It's a, it's a bad trend. It's trending downward. Oh, it's a horrible trend, and uh, it's a very scary trend when I think about the future 
in 50 years or 75 years, what well, it's going to be like for the ordinary people, for someone like myself and for like you, Larry and Leo. Well, that's Just when you think about us, if you push people like us 75 years forward with the way things are going, no, how we would be able to live. That particular article said that um, the same thing, that they have, they, that the the polls that have been taken on on just the average middle class, not not the not the poor working but middle class. Uh, they they said three out of four of those people uh, polled um, stated that when they were asked about the future for their children, oh, all right. stated they they had no idea. They didn't. They none of them thought that they were as you yep. know they hoped for. You know that they were even with college degrees and so on. Um, they just didn't know. And nope. you know, here's going down. Like in California, for instance, since 1980, California built 22 prisons and one university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that That's, tell you? Yeah. yeah. 22 prisons and, in, and one. Yeah. Right, and then you know, and that's that's the issue where um, you know people and and look, we we represent uh, correctional employees and. and I'll tell you, with you know, bad economic times, obviously comes more criminal activity, more desperation. You know, it all goes together. Oh yeah. I'd like to see jobs other than prison jobs. So. Oh, here's another article. I, I, a lot of this is on. I, I got a lot of this on Facebook, uh, but um, I posted it. But here, arresting homeless people for being homeless is unbelievably wasteful, and uh, you know. It says that the money, uh, if the money were spent on housing the homeless instead of the state, the state could be $11 million in savings over five years. Imagine that. Right. Well, uh, again, it, uh, it would yeah. be cheaper than arresting them. I mean, really? <laughs> you know, you arrest them. That's the problem in this country is that we give CEOs and corporations all the uh, we, we, in fact, we allow them to be, engage in criminal behavior, um, such as what we saw in 2008, that led, to the, that led to the collapse in 2008, the economic collapse. We actually allow these guys to get away with criminal activity. Um, so we let them get away with economic murder, but we, you know, we focus instead on what you just talked about. It's, you know, the priorities are all screwed up. And we don't know, have money to fund schools and hospitals and health care, education and jobs because we're, you know, giving hundreds of millions of dollars away to corporations and to the wealthy. It's just not right. A little, you know, here's a little thing that came up to a little quote. It says, Republicans love to talk about how much they admire the 1950s middle-class America, but they conveniently mm-hmm. omit the fact that it was at the highest membership then that created the middle class. Yeah, one in three of them work in American law. Since 1950, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the unions were at their strongest in the 50s and 60s, and, you know, they created right. a strong middle class. Yeah. But, uh, well, uh, anyway. We, we fight on. Give us one parting comment, Larry. Something positive that's happening with the unions that you think is going to make a difference um, here, either in Connecticut or nationally. I what do you guys? I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think Connecticut is. I think there's a lot of good activity going on in Connecticut. We're one of the leading states in terms of the fight for 15 um, and trying to get organizing rights for fast food workers. Um, you know, we're trying to organize workers. We're pushing, um, you know, the health care pooling bill that would allow for municipalities to um, get provide good health care for their employees at lower cost. So I, I, I think we're doing some novel and um, innovative things here to, to stay relevant. So, um, I'm, you know, it leads me to be more optimistic than, than pessimistic. And then we're also trying to educate people about the what you're doing with the wage and wealth gap. And I think that people are seeing the need to have more uh, shows like yours and, you know, more of the truth being told. So I'm hoping that, you know, somehow we can kind of find a way to use the media um, and use social media and do what you're doing to pave the way for a more truthful discussion about 
uh, what's going on. Because I think when we expose these bastards, then we have a better chance of winning as they do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's really important. And media is is the answer. You got to get out there. You've got to use um, you've got to use it in. Uh, no, that's why what you're doing is so important. So um, yeah, I'm really appreciative that you're out there and fighting the fight. Well, we appreciate that you're right there in the trenches fighting yeah, the fight. Yeah, we do too. Yeah, we you're, we you're think about you uh, often, and we sometimes yeah. we say, Gee, "I wonder where Larry is now. <laughs> is he down in New he's Haven, really, with yeah, marching, or is he is he in Hartford, or is he at the at yeah. the state house? Because That's, when we talk to you, somewhere or coming back from somewhere. I mean, you're all over this yeah. state. We appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, it was good to talk with you guys. We'll talk soon. All right. Good night, Larry. Great. Good night, Larry. Be well. Bye bye. Yeah. That was Larry Dorman, uh, public uh, affairs coordinator for AFSCME Council Four out of New Britain, Connecticut, and he truly does travel all over the state. I wasn't kidding. He he you know he'll sometimes be out on the coastline. Uh, representing and talking to like cafeteria workers, or sometimes he's down in New Haven. If there's uh, a need, if he, if there are some good candidates running for different offices, he's often out there talking to them. And certainly, if there's anybody on a picket yeah. line, he's there. This is kind of, a, you know, I, I know it's a, it's kind of a, it's from a Republican feed here, but it, you know, this, this is very true. Um, as it turns out, Hillary gets a pass. This play says uh, Republican buzz, the Republic buzz. I'm sorry, is the name of this uh, thing. Hillary gets a pass. Journalists hold Tom Brady to a higher standard than Hillary. Then Hillary. Yeah. Then Jeb Bush. Then uh, yeah. oh, then Tom Cruise. Then you could list them all. Yeah, can, they've all got. They've all Hillary gotten a pass. Hillary can do no wrong. Well, neither can any of their candidates. So why don't we just add their names to it? They they think they're wonderful too. The, those candidates that are Republicans that are running, they're not held to a high standard either. Oh, yeah, sure. So yeah. just add a whole, sure, yeah. you know, put a comma there yeah. and just list all the rest of them there that they've put up. You know, so she's a Democrat. Well, the Republicans could join that list, too. Hillary? No, I'm not. All I'm, I'm, doing, all I'm doing is just saying that, you know, they, they put more, I mean, which really ticks me off, they put more craziness over this. Gate but that doesn't right, just know. apply to her. It applies to all yeah, the candidates, I know, I know, too. But, just but put she, a comma there, as I said. But what I'm trying to tell you is she is horrendous. Well, I agree was. with you. Horrendous. She deleted 30,000 of her emails and would not let anybody see any of it. Whoops. Yeah, I mean, 30,000. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. Everything she did was put on a private uh, private server. I mean, the whole thing is insane.
that the states must pay the private prisons millions of dollars lest they face a lawsuit for millions more. How, how could anybody be so stupid to sign something like well, that? Well, yeah, these, these, these guess, politicians are, are, are their own take, just like, these, just like these judges were. The private know? prisons which are holding cash-starved states hostage are getting away with it, says advocacy groups in the public interest. In the Public Interest has reviewed more than 60 contracts between private prison companies and state and local governments across the country and found language mentioning quotas for prisoners in nearly two-thirds of those contracts reviewed. Those quotas can range from mandatory occupancy of, for example, 70% occupancy in California to up to 100% in some prisons in Arizona. It's very interesting and telling that so few major national news organizations are willing to report on the monstrous, ravenous, and criminal system that is devouring hundreds of thousands of blacks and brown boys. Even those who do not subscribe to conspiracy theories have looked askance at this shocking report. Welcome to the greatest manifestation of modern-day slavery, ladies and gentlemen. One of those private prisons, the Corrections Corporation of America, made an offer last year to the governors of 48 states to operate their prisons on 20-year contracts, according to the public interest. What makes these deals so odious and unscrupulous? Take a look. The offer included a demand that those prisons remain 90% full for the duration of their operating agreement. You know what that means? If there are not enough prisoners, then there will be an unspoken push for the police to arrest more people, have the courts send more prison to prison for petty, frivolous, and nonviolent crimes. There will also be a nudge for judges to hand down longer or maximum sentences to satisfy this quota. Private prison companies have also backed measures such as three-strike laws to, remain, to maintain high prison occupancy. When the crime rate drops so low that the occupancy requirements can't be met, taxpayers are left footing the bill for unused facilities. The report found that 41 of the 62 contracts reviewed contained occupancy requirements with the highest occupancy rates found in Arizona, Oklahoma, and Virginia. In Colorado, Democratic Governor John Hinkelooper agreed to close down five state-run prisons and instead send inmates to CCA's three correctional, correctional facilities. That cost taxpayers at least $2 million to maintain the unused facilities. It is getting more difficult to rationalize the societal cost of keeping prisons full just to satisfy private investors who treat prisons, prisoners as commodity and cattle. That's what's going on, folks. Yeah, so anyway, um, you have to. You, we, we really got to look at this. Uh, yeah. uh, that is pretty problem. scary. Uh, Illinois justice overturned state's landmark 23. Yeah, that was that was an law. interesting thing. Yeah, so let, let's let's put it out. Um, The Illinois Supreme Court forced the state Friday to find another way to fix the nation's worst government employee patient pension crisis, ruling lawmakers overstepped by enacting a law that slashed retirement benefits to confront a massive budget deficit. In a unanimous decision that frequently scolded state policymakers, the seven justices declared that the measure former Democratic Governor Pat Quinn signed into law 18 months ago violates the state's constitution because it would leave pension promises diminishes, diminished or impaired. The cash-strapped state now must again grapple with a $111 billion deficit in what's necessary to cover its employees' retirement obligations. The hole is so deep the state has in recent years had to reserve up to $7 billion or one-fifth of its annual operating budget just to keep pace. The plan rejected by the justices was designated to whittle down the monstrous shortfall over 30 years, gradually but significantly slicing back pension benefits by erasing a 3% annual adjustment. Lawmakers who spent years working toward a consensus acknowledged the ruling creates a major dilemma for new Republican Governor Bruce Rohner and Democrats who call, control the General Assembly. 
I'm not sure that any of the proposals that were considered would have passed uh, a court test, said Re Representative uh, Link uh, Ken Kecknecklit, um, a Democrat, who is the uh, lead negotiator on the pension plan. But this problem will now be uh, with us for two generations, and that makes me sad. So, you know, the, the article is quite long, but they did have a... Uh, I'm glad to see that at least they addressed it. And those people will, yeah, you, will have why, to be fairly treated. Why do the people who have uh, who have pensions have to who are retired and old who can't work? State state workers. Yeah, know, it's yeah, just not yeah. fair. Why why do they have to have their pension cut when they worked and paid into it? Be, because of the people that are are so frivolous with their with their taxes, you know, with their um, yeah, geez. Bernie Sanders vows to only nominate Supreme Court justices who will overturn what? Uh, probably Citizens United. I hope so. Yeah. Yep, Citizens United. Good for you, Bernie. I like a lot of the things you say. I don't think you can be elected, but I think you're great yeah. in a lot of ways. I'd rather see Jim Webb, though. Yeah, I, I like God, Jim Webb. I'd rather see him. Yeah. I would much rather see Well, him. I don't think we're going to see much of him, though. I'm really... Well, we don't know. See here? Oh, here's... Okay, this is the one that... Uh, Former Senator Jim Webb, eyes 2016. Let's listen to this. Yeah, we can finish up a little bit with this. This this is too long. This is a whole uh, uh, hour. But this, this thing is about uh, 10 minutes, I think. About 10 minutes. This is an interview that he had uh, in uh, last year when he first came out with uh, George Stephanopoulos on Channel 8, oh, on, Channel okay. 8 on uh, ABC. Uh, but, um, In this moment, uh, your baby uh, is getting more than clean. Your touch stimulates her senses and nurtures her mind. Well, they and always put an ad on it. Lather yeah. and bubbles yeah. help enhance the experience. So why just clean your baby? I can safely say that I'm still the uh, only person ever elected to statewide office in Virginia with a union card, two purple hearts, and three tattoos. That is Jim <laughs> Webb on the trail this week, running what may be a most unconventional run for president. He's an unconventional guy. Vietnam War hero, Reagan's Navy secretary, writer of ten books and a film, too. He left the Senate after one term. Your early support will be crucial as I evaluate whether we might overcome what many commentators see as nearly impossible odds. So that announcement of a possible run for the White House took many by surprise. The question now, is he serious about challenging Hillary? The question now, is he serious about challenging Hillary? And will Democrats respond to this call? Will you have the courage to provide a voice in the corridors of power for those who otherwise will have no voice? And Jim Webb joins us now. Welcome back, Senator. So we saw the video. We saw your speech to the Firefighters Union. You're going to South Carolina this week. What are you up to exactly? Well, we're actually truly exploring uh, whether it is possible to conduct a viable campaign in this uh, present environment with this uh, present environment with money is flooding uh, the political. Is process. it possible? I think it might be. We're, uh, we're listening. We've been around. We've got uh, people coming across emails, Internet. Um, and, you know, the, for me, we need to be focusing on the dysfunction that's occurred in our economic system. And also when you look at uh, this issue that you were just discussing, discussing with uh, the Iran situation, uh, there are the, the true constitutional challenges in the relationship between the president and I want to ask you about both that. You've written about the, uh, on Iran in the past about Congress basically becoming complacent, advocating its responsibility on foreign affairs. Does that mean that you actually support this initiative well, on the Republican it's, side? It's interesting because I, I work with Bob Corker a lot. We were on Foreign Relations Committee together. He did not sign the letter uh, that was uh, addressed to uh, the government of Iran, which I think was just a, a silly mistake. Um, but the issue sending itself, the letter or not signing? Sending the letter was a yes, serious, uh, I think, error if, if the Republicans wanted to, to address this issue. But I'm all the way back to the Bush administration on the Strategic Framework Agreement in Iraq. Uh, when President Obama went to Copenhagen on, and announced that he was going to bring back on the climate change, he was going to bring back an, a, a binding agreement without consulting the Congress, I wrote a letter to, to him on that. Uh, the situation in Libya, 
with the unilateral use of, of force in a, at a time when there were no treaties in, in effect, no Americans at risk. I'm very strong on that. Actually, Bob Corker and I were together. So, so you I think there's a legitimacy here in the notion that the executive branch has to come to the Congress on these issues that impact the country. Even if in this case it means there won't be a deal? Well, I think that you need to bring these things to the Congress. For instance, on the strategic framework agreement with Iraq, with the Bush administration, we did not get a full discussion of that or the possibility of voting on it. The Iraqi parliament voted on it twice. Uh, so the, the idea that the uh, executive branch can negotiate these comprehensive agreements without uh, the, the uh, full participation of the Congress, I think, is a wrong idea. Let's talk about e economics as well. In that speech we showed, you also talked about, quote, powerful financial interests spending billions to elect people who think the current drift toward a permanent aristocracy is okay. Flesh that out a little bit. Who are those interests? And how are they encouraging a permanent aristocracy? Well, I, I think if you, you see what has been happening uh, to our country over the past 20 or 25 years or so with the economic model, first, the model itself has broken apart. Uh, the traditional model has broken apart. Uh, the the uh, employment model that was based on full-time employment, manufacturing-based, taking care of your working people, uh, fell apart a lot when the, when the manufacturing sector itself uh, was hurt so bad uh, in the, over the past 20 years. But the other thing is you're seeing that if you have capital, if you have assets, you're doing pretty well. The stock market has almost tripled since April 2009. If you don't, and this is particularly true right now with the generation that is, that is coming into uh, uh, full adulthood, uh, they don't have that model anymore. They were doing part-time jobs, consultancy jobs. They've got student loans to pay off. They're, they're, they're wondering whether they're even ever going to be able to own a home. You've got to level the playing field in terms of how we take care of working people, full-time, good jobs. I think that the system is, uh, in a way, uh, becoming rigged against working people. Uh, they're getting these part-time jobs. Uh, my, my oldest daughter is a good example of this. She, she works for disabled American veterans. She loves her job, uh, but she's brought on as a consultant. She has to pay her own self-employment tax. She doesn't have medical. She doesn't have retirement. And, and this is becoming a model for the, for the generation that's uh, coming uh, along. The other part of it is the people at the very top clearly have moved away from everyone else in, in, in our society and the benefits that they are receiving, largely through uh, stock options and uh, executive compensation that would never have existed uh, 30 years ago when they were measuring corporate, uh, corporate compensation by the earnings of a corporation rather than the price of a stock. I know you've been reluctant to speak about Hillary Clinton, but you've had some tough words about both Clintons in the past. Uh, you wrote, you said once they were the most corrupt administration in modern memory, also wrote that Bill and Hillary's misadventures in the White House show they were convinced the law didn't apply to them. Do you stand by those words? Uh -huh. Well, I think uh, we threw a lot of bombs uh, uh, during that period, and I think what we need to do is look forward now. I think the American people want to hear from all the candidates about the issues that uh, are going to concern us in the future. And the one thing that I think I can bring to the table, and the one thing that has, has inspired me to at least take this journey, is that I have a long history of leadership. I was raised to be a leader in the military, four years as a committee council in the Congress, five years in the Pentagon, not just one term, uh, six years in the Senate. And when people have come to me, uh, as I have done this exploratory committee, one thing I'm seeing over and over again is we trust you. We don't agree with you all the time, but we trust you. Sounds and like you're ready to do this. I've, I'm really uh, enjoying getting out and listening to people. We're going to South Carolina this week. We're going to be in Iowa in April. We're going to be in New Hampshire in May, and uh, we'll see how it goes. If we can get the support, we'll, we'll continue to move forward. We will be watching. Senator Webb, thanks very much Thank for coming you. Thanks in. for having me. Well, we'll yeah, see so what happens there. He's a strong, he'd be a very strong candidate if he can get some back. I think he's a bright guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, hmm. we're, we're looking forward to it. Um, he's, uh, Jim Webb also criticized him on the Iran deal, uh, White House on Iran, and criminal justice in Clinton's contrast. Uh, that was kind of, this is something that, this is this is an interesting thing because why is that real? Because he believes in second chance, all right. Mm -hmm. He he would like to see 
all, but especially uh, not all these people, people were able to work. To, yeah, to to remove these stigmas, stigmas yes, you know, that they've why. had when they're young, and uh, you know, and, and things like that, you know, uh, to be able to uh, because you're just creating an underclass that can't get a job. That's absolutely and right. you should never have groups of people unemployed. Not like that's that. That's why we have not, employment. Not. That keeps people that's occupied. Exactly. This is very important. This is something brand new here. Jim Reb cites criminal justice reform in Hillary Clinton's contrast. And he, I love what he says about this. Okay, because, let's listen because to Because he really this, does say it's one of his major uh, uh, things. Get this to work here. Here we go. It's about three and a half minutes. Just this is one of his biggest, this is one of his, his key issues. And I think Something that, that he really cares yeah. about. Thanks for the ride around Norfolk. Guy Guy's proud to assert the military for over 75 years. Captain, waiting to give you a tour of the Wisconsin now. Yeah, just wait for this commercial. Don't ask Geico commercial. Okay. Okay, good. This morning, we have the former Virginia Senator Jim Webb, the Democrat who is exploring a run for the Democratic presidential nomination. Senator, good to see you. Uh, Two night hours up in the morning, we were joking before we came on the set. Uh, let me ask you straight up. Uh, you've been listening to the coverage this morning. You've obviously been following this in recent days. What would a President Webb have said or done differently than President Obama as Baltimore burned? Well, I, I don't think uh, I could put myself into President Obama's shoes at the moment and put words into his mouth. I do know that the local leaders seem to be responding in a, in a way that is, is affirmative and dealing toward the issues that are there. And also, I'd have to say that uh, there, there are two issues that I've spoken about for a long time that are intertwining here, quite obviously. One of them is the breakdown in economic fairness in this society. I actually mentioned uh, Baltimore in a speech at the National Press Club in September when I was talking about uh, the breakdown and how we tend to think in this country that we have solved the, 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 the racial and ethnic differences, and we really haven't. We've created a veneer over the top. On, on all of uh, racial and gender issues in the country. And the other one is criminal justice reform itself. I know Secretary Clinton yesterday gave a speech on criminal justice reform. I've been talking about this for nine years. We put together hearings on this when I was in the Senate, and from point of apprehension all the way to point of reentry into society, we really need to examine our criminal justice system. One of the debates now is you have some people saying this is proof that you need more spending in the inner cities. You have to get more economic opportunity, uh, better schools, obviously. And you have some conservatives saying, well, no, look, look at all the public money that goes into these cities. It's how it's spent that you need maybe another layer of welfare reform to encourage people more to go to work, as we saw in the mid-1990s. Which is it? Well, I think clearly we need infrastructure spending in our country, across the country. Uh, our infrastructure systems are falling apart. Those are programs that can bring jobs. Jobs bring dignity. Uh, they also encourage more education. Uh, we see this not just in Baltimore, but, but uh, across the country. Uh, and where the money is spent is important. I think if we look down, we keep talking about uh, our educational systems at the high end, but we're still in the reality that only 75% of the kids in this country finish high school. Uh, we have to have programs to encourage them to stay in. And if they've left, we, we had legislation when I was in the Senate, I call it the second Second Chance Education Act, to help these people when they get to be like 30 and realize that they made a big mistake when they were younger and get them into productive education and employment. One of the Republicans running for president, Ted Cruz, says that under President Obama, our first African-American president, in his view, racial relations have gotten even worse. He says the president uh, has a way of style of politics that pits people against each other, that divides us even further. Do you think that's fair? Well, I think we clearly have a political system now where uh, political leadership and the, and the base of both parties have been at odds in a way that I haven't seen in, in my adult lifetime, having done four cycles uh, through government. I don't think that's just President Obama being uh, radically different. It's the people in the process on both sides uh, having drawn clear lines. We need leadership that kind of cut across these lines and bring people together. One of the great experiences I had in my life, I spent eight years as a boxer. And when you spend eight years in the ring with people, you don't particularly look at uh, uh, what, you know, what racial background they have. And you, by the end of a fight, generally you're a friend with the person you've been with. Send you out to Vegas and I get you on the undercourt. Vegas! <laughs> 
can't <laughs> skip this guy, go ask, because it's already over. I had no idea what he was I didn't know that he, he spent eight years as a boxer. Okay. Well, I don't know how he did all these things. I don't either, but he, but, uh, he's certainly, fascinating guy, yeah, for sure. Very interesting. And we've come right That's to the right. end of our show. Yeah. We have, so, uh, uh, we want to thank Larry Dorman for being yep. on. He was on first. And I want to tell you, you know, please go to Jim Wentz. Uh, go check out everything about him. We'll see what on. you think. There's a lot of good stuff. And, um, He's a, he's a fascinating guy. And, and we'll uh, see if he has a chance. I mean, yeah, I think he needs money. Yeah, I think. Oh, he definitely needs money, like everybody else. But um, I think we should support him as much as we can. In fact, I volunteered for his campaign. So uh, on Facebook and go, go to Jim Webb um, uh, for more. Just go, just put in Jim Webb W E B B, you know, for president. But thanks or, so or actually uh, Web 2006. Uh, thanks so much, folks, for listening to us. And yeah. uh, it was nice talking we'll to talk you. To, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. All right. All right. We will be with good you night, tomorrow. Everybody. Good night. Have a good evening. Yeah.